host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we are going to talk to Chris Motes, uh, director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, about the upcoming election. It is coming up in just a few days, and um, uh, also about some of the things on the South Dakota ballot. First, we are going to talk to Dr. Chris Bergwald and get some biblical bites with Dr. Ree. Double Chris's again. I know. I cannot get rid of you guys. I know. Sorry, we're... <laughs> So integral to the show, apparently, (laughs) or that. (laughs) Happy November. Ooh, my birthday's in November. Isn't your birthday in November, too? September, thanks. September, that's what I was close. Okay, sorry. (laughs) It has a a a bird in it. (laughs) Ember. It has an ember in it. That's awesome. (laughs) So, today, November 1st, Mm -hmm. All Saints Day. Yes. Last night, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Trick-or-treating. Not talking about that today. Uh, so All Saints Day, the second reading for Mass for All Saints Day is from 1 John chapter 3. And John talks about something that I think we sort of both slightly misunderstand but also take for granted. Okay. So here's what we're going to do, Renee. Uh-oh. I'm going to read part, just part of, just a few, couple lines actually from this reading then see what you think I'm talking about because okay. I love to put you on the spot. I know. <laughs> Beloved, see what love the Father has bestowed on us that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. Any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> Bill's like, is that all you're going to give her? <laughs> yep, that's all I'm going to give her. Bill's, Bill's starting on me already. Um, I'm going to guess that he's talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Oh, uh that is true, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Children, that's that's good. Children of God. What's okay. it mean to be a child of God? Um, it means to be created in his image. Oh, no. Well, that's one of the things it means. So here, so it is, that, that's exactly, that's the mission. So yes and no. All right. Um, what do we become by baptism? What do we, be, we become children of God? Uh, so what does that mean uh, before baptism? We're just... Stupid humans. <laughs> we are God's. What did, what did God say on the day at on which he, in Genesis chapter one, when he created Adam and Eve? Um, he said it was good. It was very good. Oh, yes. So we are not stupid humans. We're very good. Um, now, yes, we're fallen. That hadn't happened yet. So we, we are, there, there's sin, original sin and, and its consequences. Um, but... <clears throat> Okay, so here's the thing. By cre- God intends us to become his children. By creation, you're right. We are created in his image and likeness, but we're not yet his children. We're, we're, we're his, okay. his highest creatures, creatures at least of the material universe, but we're not yet his children. Okay. That doesn't happen until baptism. So people, we, we, I think, I feel like we get a little hallmarky loose with that. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're all children of God. <clears throat> well, God desires that we would all be become his children, but we are by nature not. So okay. I think that's what it gets to just, and I know we only have a couple minutes. Um, what does it mean to be a child? What, when, when this thing is a child of that thing, what does that like just actually mean? You're their offspring. Offspring. Mm-hmm. So w- w- what, um, what makes something an offspring of another? was born of them right it is cre- uh, created from both of them so 
As, um, if you ask me another question, I'm going right to Bill. I, <laughs> we don't want to do that. Just fine. So, <laughs> it shares in its nature. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's of the same kind of thing because it's born sure. of, it's of the same kind of thing. So we might love our pets uh, and we might, you know, refer to our children or our, our pets um, affectionately <laughs> as, as our kids. As our fur babies. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah. But they're not literally that right. um, primarily because they're not actually human beings. Right. right? So they're, they're not of the same kind of thing that we are. So what does it mean to say then that we are children of God? That we are actually gods. Am I going to? I feel well, like the light is going to strike well, here in a second. Bishop, Bishop DeGroote. Bishop. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's no, not, but we you, will. No, you're right. We we are. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love I love that Little you just G? did it that way. We're not going to have enough time to get into this. We are by baptism. We share in God's own life, his own way of being. The technical theological term for this is we are divinized. We are deified. We are made like God because we nothing that we do, but he gives us his life, mm-hmm. his sacramental grace, his sanctifying grace, which makes us like him, which makes us share in his way of being. So I'm not literally God. Right. I'm a human being, but I've been divinized. Okay. And as I participate in the sacramental life of the church, I am being divinized. And at the end of time, when I die, please, Lord, God willing, that will be... Um, completed and perfected, and I will truly live as a beloved son, our heavenly father, divinized in Jesus Christ, who is himself the son of God. Thanks, Dr. B. Maybe next time I'll more time. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Today in the studio, we have Mr. Chris Motes. He is the uh, executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And I usually don't say this, but he also has a podcast called Faith and Politics, that runs on uh, Real Presence Radio on Tuesday nights. If you've never heard it, he always has some really great information. So good to have you here, Chris. Thanks for the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be back. <laughs> I realized I've never done that. It's like, hey, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> More ears, the better, right? That's great. Yeah. All right. So we are going to talk about, um, we have an election coming up. Mm. And even though, yes, we are recording this on Wednesday, but it you guys are hearing it on Sunday, most likely. Ooh, final so there's, oh, uh, home yeah. stretch. Yeah. Only a couple days left. Thank God. Thank yeah. the Lord. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Two years ago, I, I had a lady tell me, I am so ready for car commercials again. <laughs> car commercials would be a blessing right now, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Although it really hasn't been, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of local TV, so I haven't really been, I haven't seen many of them unless they run them on football games. <laughs> well, you, we can always turn the TV off. It's yep. always an option. We can, we can. All right. So let's talk a little bit first about um, how we as Catholics can use our faith to help guide us when we vote specifically? Like, how do we, should we, and then how do we do that? Yeah. Um, what what doesn't our faith inform? You know, there's a priest of the diocese of Sioux Falls who says Catholics cut cucumbers differently. Maybe that's been mentioned on this program yep. before. <laughs> what don't we do differently? So I think one of the, the points to begin with in answering this question, how do we bring our faith into our voting is to just say first and foremost, we are Catholics, first and foremost. We are citizens of heaven passing through this land. And it's not to say we're not Americans, we are. Uh, it's, a, it's a great virtue to love our country. Mm-hmm. Patriotism is sort of a, a sub-virtue, if you will, under piety. Mm-hmm. So pa- being patriotic is a, is a good and healthy thing. We are Americans 
first and foremost, though, were Catholics. Right. Um, so there's kind of a hierarchy, Catholic, American. Maybe under that, we some of us might put up some sort of party uh, affiliation, which is all well and good. That's our call as laity. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. But at the top of the pyramid, we are Catholics called to uh, receive the love of God and in turn pour it out unto, unto the world. So to actually, you know, Christ came to to save and redeem every aspect of of human affairs. Mm-hmm. And so it's it I guess the basic point is yes, it must inform our voting mm-hmm. in some way. Now how to, how exactly? Well, y- we could talk about a lot. We could talk for hours about like how that happens. Mm-hmm. One maybe one point that I'd offer is that just as Catholics, we we're called to have the mind of Christ and in fact to have the mind of the church is to have an ancient mind. The church has been around for a very, very long time, and one of the things that happens today is that we've get you know we get this like twenty four hour news cycle or social media, and it's just super fast. Mm. It's go 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 go. Um, and if we let that form us, we lose our peace, and we're not bringing timeless values, timeless truths into our decision-making because we know, you know, these media outlets and social media, there's truth to be found out there, seeds of truth. But at the same time, if we are deeply formed in the the life of the church, the history of the church, um, those principles that are timeless really help us keep our peace and vote well today. And just to give an example, by, by way of analogy, my military service, um, one of the like big generals that was training kind of came to talk to a bunch of lieutenants when I was going through lieutenant training. He said, you need to have a 2,000-year-old brain. He was a big proponent of reading. Right. And he told the story of being in Afghanistan, uh, one of the first Marines into Afghanistan following the 9-11 attacks, and there's like this kind of battle going on. And he's like, I've seen this before. And he cited, you know, this historical battle between the Greeks and the Persians. I mean, oh, wow. uh, you know, <laughs> so to actually say, no, okay, I can identify what's happening w- within like some history and, and having a well-formed mind and I can understand it helps me know what to do. It's like the church, we've fought Gnosticism before. Mm-hmm. So we can look at some of the errors that are prevalent in our life today and are manifesting themselves in our politics. You know, for example, gender ideology. We can say, oh, Gnosticism. Seen this before. Done. <laughs> you know, and it helps us know how to respond. So mm-hmm. that's, you know. So really it's important to pay attention to the news and so on, but our faith grounds us so yeah. that we can take that and actually apply it in a way that makes some sense in a moral life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, Paul the six, Pope Paul the sixth, Saint Pope Paul the sixth said, I think it was him said that the greatest challenge, this was back in the 60s, greatest challenge of the church in the modern age, the greatest challenge of humanity in the modern age is this separation between faith and life. You know, it's as if we've got the, um, this, this great wall between the two of them, which in fact is, no, we are integrated human beings. Mm -hmm. And, and if we are transformed by the love of Christ, that goes with us everywhere, even into the voting booth. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just do your faith at church on Sunday morning. Right doesn't get us very far. <laughs> you know, and here's another another thing I want to share. This is uh, from John Paul, St. John Paul II, writing to the church in America, Ecclesia in America. It's this letter, ec- exhortation he wrote about 20 years ago, 1999. He says that in political life, uh, which is understood in its truest and noblest sense, 
is the administration of the common good. Like that's the purpose of mm -hmm. it. He says, lay people, they can find the path of their own sanctification. Wow. I know. So it's like, actually that's that, deep. That's <laughs> in engaging in the political life, whether it's in the voting booth or engaging with our representatives, whatever it is in the political life, it's actually in that place that the Lord meets us and offers us his very own life mm -hmm. in sanctification. That's, isn't that like, that's really cool. Boom. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned uh, that the church has been around and seen all of this stuff. And I don't remember if it was you I was talking to or if I heard it someplace else. But when you think about the Catholic church has been around for 2000 years, a little over. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. And uh, it's the only institution, the only thing that's been around consistently all that time and has seen all of this history and can understand things in a different way than a lot of other institutions can. Yeah. So I think that gives us a leg up if we if we use that. Yeah, it certainly does. And it's, you know, it's God-given. Like this is God's, uh, I think it was Hilaire Bellick, this English writer who said like, actually the fact that it that it's still going on is proof that it's from God. Like right. we humans, obviously we would have messed it up yes. and run it into the ground. We've tried. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's that's actually proof that God's in charge of this thing. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. which which gives us peace actually too, to know that we don't have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders right. in the political realm. Oh, right. Yeah, we do our duty. We seek God's grace. We we seek to tell the truth uh, where and when we can, but at the same time, like uh, God's got this. Right, so. right. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit, uh, we're going to touch on a few different things, which will, will seem like we're jumping around a lot, but there's a lot to talk about. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about what's on the South Dakota ballot, uh, since that most directly affects us. So um, there is a marijuana issue. There's actually two. Two of them. Two things there. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what is the the church recommending? Yeah. How we vote on that? Yeah. So there are th three total ballot measures that people should do a little research on ahead of time. The very first one you're going to see on your ballot is Constitutional Amendment A. It is uh, a ballot measure that would modify our state constitution to legalize in the constitution to legalize recreational marijuana. There are a couple other components, but that's the so real- So not medical, but recreational. Recreational marijuana. And uh, the bishops of South Dakota are urging uh, citizens to take uh, a hard look at that and vote no. Okay. Um, recreational marijuana from, I mean, there are a lot of different things we can talk about from a prudential standpoint of the way in which it you know, impacts safety on the roads and impacts children and so on and so forth. But there's, to, to look at it from a purely moral standpoint, um, we know that so-called recreational marijuana, I mean, they use the term recreational, but it's like, I make the point, it's not recreation. You're going kayaking is recreation. Right. Going hunting is recreation. You do it once in a while. This is, <laughs> this is something that actually, they call it recreation, but it's actually dehumanizing. True recreation actually helps us recreate ourselves, refresh ourselves. Right. But marijuana, the purpose of, of smoking marijuana for so-called recreational purposes is to deliberately impair our brain, right. you know, to get this feeling of being high. And we know one of the, the effects is that it, it impairs our cognitive function. It, it, it deliberately impairs those, uh, those areas of, of rational thought and function that make us uniquely human. Mm -hmm. It makes us irrational. It makes us like animals. They, say, they can't can, reason. Can I say it in the Renee way? It makes us dumber. It makes us dumber, you know, <laughs> and this is, uh, you can go look at uh, up on the Catholic Conference website or even on the Diocese of Sioux Falls website, Bishop's Bulletin article from September in which I kind of go through some of the science mm -hmm. of what's happening in the brain. 
um, the point is that this is, uh, in technical terms, a vicious activity. It's a vice. It's wrong. Okay. It's it's just it's wrong to do, um, and we shouldn't want this like enshrined in our state constitution. Right. So. So do people like talk to you about it and compare it to alcohol? You know, they they do sometimes. One of the distinctions that's made by by moral theologians is that with alcohol, there's there's a greater possibility of of moderate temperate use, which of course the church would say. Um, intent drinking to get drunk is also vicious. That's wrong. It makes us irrational. Um, So to intend that, to intend to degrade, impede, impair that part of that part of our humanity that like actually um, helps us to think and judge and act freely, that's wrong. But to have uh, a glass of wine or a beer, there's a possibility of temperate use. What we know with people who are um, smoking recreational marijuana there's a specific intent to actually um, attain get this, high. yeah, to get high, yeah. to attain to this euphoria in which mm-hmm. we are sort of disconnected from reality. Right. Um, that is to, the purpose to though. some extent. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what is the second one that second, has to do with marijuana? Yeah. The second one is I. I am 26. It would legalize in statute recreation or excuse me, medical marijuana. You know the um, just in considering this one. We know, so I'm going to talk principles because this one, there's not a hard position on. We want people to really inform themselves and and exercise their judgment really well. Um, We know that drugs can be used for medicinal or therapeutic purposes, Mm -hmm. Um, even drugs that might otherwise be be used for so-called recreational purposes. Mm -hmm. We know that there's a legitimate therapeutic use. Right. Um, And so we... You know, with the looking at it from the standpoint of the Catholic Conference, didn't want to step in and say, "Well, no, this isn't a legitimate medical medical use." Now, there are arguments to be made on both sides. Mm-hmm. Some people would say, "Well, you know, I you know I I know so and so, and this is the only thing that can help them." I did have a guy on the podcast, Faith and Politics podcast. He's working in the field of uh, treatment. He pointed out that there's actually a synthetic THC that you can be mm-hmm. prescribed by your doctor right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, do we really need this? You know, people against it would say like, well, actually the way it's drafted, even if we, you know, acknowledge there's legitimate medical use, this isn't the right process that, you know, these the opponents would say. We That's why we have the FDA, mm-hmm. that we're regulating the production and distribution. And one of the, the things they point out is that, in fact, when you're cultivating it yourself or buying it from, you know, it, you don't necessarily have quality control over the right. potency it's like, actually, when you're taking a medicine, you want to know exactly how that medicine is going to function when it's in right. your body. Right. So, you know, arguments on um, for and against, and it's it's really something um, that, that people should take a hard, hard look at. Yeah. Okay. And I, I when in listening to your uh, show last night, I noticed, too, that if those two passed, both passed, they actually contradict each other a little bit in several ways. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. You know, and, it, <laughs> and it's, you know, trying to stay at the level of principles, there are, you know, looking at it from more of a legal standpoint as a, as a lawyer and a scholar, is you can look at, you can look at some of the, the finer points and say like, actually, um, you know, there's some arguments that they're not particularly well drafted right. to, which is a citizen, I would say, well, do we really want to play with our constitution, especially? Right. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to yeah. change a constitution. That's, that always makes me hesitate when yeah. it's a constitutional amendment. Right. Um, anything else on the South Dakota ballot that we need to consider? You know, people are going to want to uh, just um, form themselves on constitutional amendment B that has to do with sports betting oh, in, that's right. in Deadwood. So take, take a hard mm-hmm. look at that. 
um, you know, some of our uh, evangelical friends would take a hard position against any sort of expansion of gambling. You know, it's harder for us as Catholics to do, and we've got church church bingo. <laughs> Is um, that really the same? <laughs> well, you know, we we know that in in the Catholic mind, there's not all we don't look at gambling as an intrinsic evil. Okay. Um, it would be helpful for people to form themselves on what are some, you know, what are some of the societal harms that can sure. result? Yep. You know, to, to take a different example, video lottery, we've had our, in our state for a while now. We can really chart out mm-hmm. with uh, with some precision what are some of the, the societal harms, especially harms to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, gambling, constitutional amendment, B, sports betting in Deadwood. Um, and aside from those three ballot measures, you're going to have your slate of state and local candidates right. in addition to your national level candidates. Yeah. And people really should dig into the details on who those yeah. people are. For it's sure. It's really important. For sure. As everyone knows, the um, national election is kind of crazy, as always. This year, it seems a little more, uh, I don't know, unsettling this yeah. year, maybe. Um but uh, the party platforms, I think we have time for at least talk about this a tiny yeah. little bit. I think that's you. You mentioned that that's really something that we need to do as voters is look at the party platforms. Right. Yeah. And I want to tee this up by just kind of reading a brief quotation from a document uh, from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith in 2002. It's called Participation of Catholics in Political Life. And um, what, what is written there, here's what it says. When political activity comes up against moral principles that do not admit of exception, compromise, or derogation, the Catholic commitment becomes more evident and laden with responsibility. In the face of fundamental and inalienable ethical demands, the Christians, Christians must recognize that what is at stake is the essence of the moral law which concerns the integral good of the human person. That's a lot of big words. It is. Can you make them smaller? Yeah. <laughs> it, it means that there's such a thing as intrinsic evil. Okay. And then it walks through what are some of the intrinsic evils? Like what are the things that like actually there's – there's we just need to be really clear that we're not talking about maybe education policy where there's a lot of room for discussion. Like what is the best way right. – or healthcare policy. What is the best way to or achieve – Or even helping the poor. Even helping the yeah. poor. What is the best way to go about this – we talk about, and some of the things that are listed are abortion, euthanasia, marriage in the family, mm-hmm. uh, protection of the rights of children, being clear on on the word used as slavery, of drug abuse, drug use, uh, religious freedom, and the pursuit of peace. Some of these things are like, we, we don't, there's there's just supreme clarity in Catholic teaching that the, there are some, uh, in their words, inalienable ethical demands, yeah. unchanging truths. It's a much more black and white topic yeah. there on some of those. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So one of the things when people are like, cause there was, a, I was looking at my sample ballot and I was like, Oh, I don't really know. So-and-so, you know, what's going on. And I was mm-hmm. looking online. I can, you know, one of my options, I can email the guy I've done that. What if I don't hear back? Well, what, one of the things this is, and people do this all the time. It's kind of um, not necessarily the best way you really want to talk to a person, but if you know nothing else, what, let's dig into these party platforms mm-hmm. a little bit. So, I would really encourage people to go out there and read party platforms, whether it's Republican, Democrat, uh, Constitution mm-hmm. Party, Libertarian Party, um, the uh, Solidarity, yep. Yep. American Solidarity Party. Yep. You dig into these party platforms and you start, you know, I would say the first, your first read through, you're going to be looking for what are these fundamental ethical demands. Um, and where do they stand on? And where do they stand yeah. on them? And and I would say that this is something that is written. It's what's at stake is the essence of the moral law, and so we can get a little cranky, like, "Oh, you're against such and such." But we have to remember, as Christians too, 
is that the moral law, it's not just a system of, it's not just rules because God hates us. Right. These are, um, he loves us. Yep. And these are, the, the moral law is a pathway to human flourishing and happiness. Right. Um, I actually met one candidate who um, had a reversion to Catholicism. He was really into philosophy, drifted away. But what he realized as he was, you know, reading philosophy and, and, and gaining some life experience, this person realized, oh my goodness, the church is right. All these, what I perceive to be just sort of rules, they're not breaking them isn't making me happy right. and living by them. Oh my goodness, what freedom, what joy. They're for my own good. Right. Um, so we can read political party platforms with that same lens. Of yeah. What are these fundamental things? Um, That's a great suggestion as to go through those because there's a lot there. So yeah. <laughs> when I looked at a couple of them, I was like, oh my, I'm going to need a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. But it's good to know because if we don't inform ourselves – then we go to the polls and, and who knows what you're voting for. You can't, you can't just pick the name that looks prettiest. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and unfortunately that happens sometimes. Um, I know we're almost out of time, but real quick, uh, and maybe we can do this real quick. I hope, uh, sometimes, uh, lay people really, really want their priests to say, who mm. should I, you should vote for this person. Yeah. We talked just before we came on the air about that. Can you real briefly? Yeah. Hopefully. So, so, one of the things, John, going back to Ecclesia in America, one of the things John Paul says is that lay people, we must be formed in the truths and values of the church's social teaching, and we must be formed in basic notions of a theology of the laity. So in the church's theology, there's a distinct, there are distinct roles for laity and, and clergy, and the mm -hmm. clergy are the ones who form us in the social teaching. They, they're forming us in principles and doctrines, morality, right, uh, right action, living well. But actually, when we talk about Politics, especially partisan politics, mm -hmm. the, ch the church sees the field, it's it's the ladies' field of evangelizing activity to be engaged in the partisan sphere. Okay. That's, so some people will think like, oh, it's just because of the internal revenue code. We don't right. want to live our lose our tax status. Well, okay, there's something there. But more importantly, the church sees the role of the priest and bishop as being forming our consciences and moral truth in a way that's orient us, orienting towards us, towards our final home in heaven and turning us loose on the temporal order, on this field okay, of politics right. and, and partisan stuff. Right. We're the ones that are out there evangelizing at the you know Democratic convention, Republican, right. con whatever it may be. So They're basically there to form us, and then we've got to go out and do the right thing. That's it. We can't sit on our hands. It's our right. job. Right, right. All right. Well, that's, unfortunately, that 20 minutes went really fast. <laughs> Darn it. Sorry. Um, well, we'll see what happens on Tuesday, and everybody get out and vote. Uh, if you aren't familiar with things yet, go go find out what everybody, what the candidates stand for, what their party platforms are, and be as informed as you can and use your faith while you're there. It won't hurt you, I swear. No. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Chris. You bet. All right. Next week, my guest will be Deacon Thane Barnier and his wife, Joanne. We are going to talk about what deacons do, uh, uh, why he became a deacon, and what it's like, like to be married to a deacon. So it should be an interesting conversation. Um, also, if you don't know this already, um, many of our shows uh, through the diocese are now available on YouTube on video. So if you're not watching this now, if you're hearing it on the radio, you can see us on uh, YouTube anytime. So that is it for us today. I hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic News.